0: This podcast is presented to you by pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Okay, so I, how many of you have a real Bible, by the way? Let me see your real Bible. A real Bible. I know you like electronic stuff, you're gadget guys, and all you digital immigrants and digital natives. You know, you just love your gadgets. I want you to read a real Bible, okay? We're going to study out of a real Bible. I'll give you some PowerPoints, but mark these things in your real Bible. We've been talking about wisdom, and I started during action, and I talked about the kind of wisdom that comes from above and how God granted King Solomon wisdom. wisdom asked, Solomon asked for wisdom, and, 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 and God gave it to him. And uh, we see that, you know, uh, it held him in good stead, and some of his Proverbs were amazing. He says, wisdom is better than jewels. And uh, it's far better than jewels. And, and nothing that is desirable can compare to wisdom. How much better is wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is above silver. Uh, he talked about Proverbs 19 in, in, in verse 8. And he says, he who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. Proverbs 12, 8. He says, know that wisdom is thus for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. He puts this high, high value on wisdom. Wisdom. He says, the path of life leads upward for the wise that he may be kept from hell, from Sheol below. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. And then we found out where wisdom comes from. And in Colossians 2, verses 2 through 3, we found out that wisdom is a person, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, the Bible says. In Christ are hidden all the treasures, all the treasures. Everybody say all. All All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Bible says, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Matthew likened wisdom unto the man who builds his house on a rock. He says, if you build and on, on, on my words and act upon them, you're compared to a wise man. A wise man who built his house on a rock And the rains came and the floods came and the storms beat against that house, but the house did not fall. Can I tell you something? Your house is gonna have a storm. Your houses, all houses have storms. But it depends on what you build on that allows you to be either a wise man or a foolish man. Foolish people lose everything while wise men can't be moved, can't be shaken. So we talked about how And I'm just reviewing. We talked about how we could. And if you need to get these teachings, they're on the podcast. You can pick it up at the bookstore. Uh, There's a a single CD back there that you can pick up on your way out with every teaching of action on it. So it's pretty I think it's a DVD and a CD. So pretty amazing. Uh, So we, we found out that the primary that we can obtain, the primary way to obtain wisdom was studying the teachings of Jesus Christ. Studying what's found in the New Testament. And uh, in addition to studying the scripture, we also found out we could ask God for wisdom. Ask him. He said that he would give us wisdom, James 1:5. And if we asked, he would give it generously without reproach, without upbraiding us. So we're to ask for wisdom, we're to pray for wisdom, we're to ask for wisdom. We're supposed to study the Bible and find wisdom. And then we went to our text, which is James three thirteen through 18. If you want to turn there, we'll be in that the rest of the morning. It says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show this by his good behavior, his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. Let him show who's wise and understanding. How? Through his good deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Or one version says, earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is is sown in peace by those who make peace. We began to break that verse down and, you know, I looked at the negative factors of it during action. We talked about who among you is wise and we said everybody thinks they're wise. We have a lot of experts today. Everybody will tell you how wise they are but we're not all that wise. We just think we are. Real wisdom comes from above. We talked about in verse 14, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't be arrogant and lie against the truth. These things are terrible traits, bitter jealousy contentious rivalry, Uh, these are uh, plaguing our earth today. And I went into a little bit of uh, depth on that. And then we came to the next verse, which uh, talked about this wisdom is that which comes from above earthly, natural and demonic, or earthly, sensual and devilish. And we saw there's a progression of earthly wisdom. And you can see it even in your own lives. When you begin to dabble in earthly wisdom, earthly wisdom sounds good it tastes good it smells good the philosophies of men uh, entice you they, they 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 trick you but they lead somewhere they don't lead to a higher path they begin to lead to earthly then sensual you'll find yourself involved in sensual things these things entice the senses they entice your sensualities they lead to sinfulness they lead to uh things that compromise you, and then eventually they become devilish. Never so evident as in some of our movie stars and some of our pop stars and singers. They start out as these innocent little children, you know. They're just pure, and they seem to be so holy. I'm Hannah Montana, you know. Just every little girl wants to be like Hannah Montana. She's a little Christian idol, and everybody goes and takes their little daughters in front of Hannah and Montana but Hannah Montana turned into Miley Cyrus that's not who you want your daughters to be like let me tell you right now amen little Justin Bieber you know now I know he's struggling with his faith he's trying to get it right but let me tell you something he started out you know this sweet little boy and now you know he's all over the place so what are we going to do about that Earthly wisdom, sensual, it leads to devilishness. And that's the way of the world. And there is that pattern. And, and, and you'll see it in business. You know, I watch so many of our business people. They start out loving God. They love the Lord. They, they get into business practice. And, and some of that practice, they find themselves compromising. And then they start taking earthly knowledge and earthly wisdom. And that's not wrong. There's something to earthly wisdom. You don't just discount it all. But let me tell you something. It has to be tempered with that which is from heaven, heaven's wisdom. Heaven's wisdom will give you an eternal value. Some of of you, you, you took earthly wisdom and it compromised your whole life. A good name is better to be chosen than riches, but the wisdom from below corrupted your name. It's hard to get it back once you lose it. Tap your neighbor and say, do you know who that person is? Verse 16 said, for there is jealousy and selfish ambition There is disorder and every evil thing. I think of our nation when I think of that. Jealousy, selfish ambition. I listen to our politicians today. It's almost a joke. I laugh at some of the things they're saying. They make promises with their mouth while they're divvying up things for themselves. I mean, it's just crazy some of the stuff that's going on they 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 make promises to the people the masses while in fact it's all about something else but you see the fruit of it disorder and every evil thing look at the disorder i can't even get a political rally together I didn't say a party, I didn't say a name. (laughs) I'm not into politics, I'm just observing. I'm just passing by. We could say this about your business. We could say this about the church sometimes. We could say this about your marriage. My marriage. You see, the Bible says where there's jealousy or selfish ambition disorder, and every evil thing happens. Amen? Hmm. So what a difference is found in heavenly wisdom, God wisdom. So let's look at verse 17. That's where we'll pick up today. But the wisdom from above is first of all, what? Pure. Then peaceable. Gentle. Reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, and without hypocrisy. Will you let me have 30 minutes just to break those seven words down to you? I'm going to take it anyway. So whether you give me permission or not, I'm doing that, all right? So the wisdom that we acquire through the study of the word of God, from asking, from prayer, have seven traits. First, The first trait. So tap your neighbor say, Let's find out if you're operating in wisdom today. Let's just check and see if you're operating in wisdom. Pastor Tom's going to teach you, and we'll we'll compare and see if you're operating in wisdom or not. And then say, but you can check on me too, because I'm going to be checking on you. You check on me, okay? So the first word is pure. Now, the Greek word translated pure is the word hagnos, H-A-G-N-O-S. And it means being free from any form of defilement, free from impure lusts like pride, jealousy, selfishness, prejudice, wrath, and lasciviousness. Anybody know what lasciviousness is? Good book. Good, good, good word to look up in the Bible a dictionary or it may, maybe even a real dictionary. It values and promotes purity of heart, purity of mind, and purity of life. It follows God's moral directives with unmixed motives. It is innocent of ulterior motives. We, we get the word holy from this word. Hagnos. Hagios. Holy. We get the word saint. Just tap your neighbor So say, you're a saint. Well, you're a saint if you're pure. Jesus said this. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Now I tell you what, there's something about purity. If you see God, guess what, you're gonna get wisdom. How many of you say, oh, I'd love to have God. Well, I'd love to get closer to God. Well, guess what, closeness to God and purity go together. A pure heart, God loves a pure heart. God fellowships with the pure of heart. God lets you see him when you have a pure heart. So you say, I don't see God. <clears throat> Maybe you have a heart problem. Maybe you need to check your purity. Amen. Secondly, peaceable. Pure and godly wisdom is peaceable. Solomon said this in Proverbs 3.17. He said, her, that is wisdom's ways, are pleasant ways and all of her paths are peace oh what a quality what a quality pleasant ways Jesus said blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God now I want you to understand I wrote up there not uh, peace is not the absence of conflict see I'll tell you what it's it's Peace is a force. Peace isn't an attitude. It's a force. You bring peace into the conflict. You refuse to engage with anything but peace. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Peace is a force. It's not home. Home. That's not peace. That's not peace. That's some Eastern weird stuff that comes creeping into the church. Oh, I just feel peace. No, it's not a feeling. It's a force. The force of peace. The God of peace. Uh, the, the, the blessed are the peacemakers. We're making peace. The willingness to work towards peace. It's the opposite of peacekeeping. Some of you are peacekeepers. You just become doormats. Anybody can walk on you. Just... So just let's just not have any strife. Let's just leave it. Let's just not say anything. No, no. Sometimes you need to say something and you have to work towards peace. You have to work towards an answer. You have to w- now you don't get ugly about it. Just tap your neighbor and say, Are you are are, are, are you wise? How are you doing? How many of you are two out of two? <laughs> Kind of scary. The third quality of wisdom from above the wisdom of heaven is it's gentle. Gentle. You know, th- this is really a hard word in the Greek. Because there is no English equivalent, really. Uh, the word translated as gentle. Th- the best I could find is from Joseph Thayer. And he's uh, he-, he wrote the Greek lexicon. And he said, the word gentle defines that considerateness that looks humanely and reasonably at the facts of the case. The gentleness of a person is seen in the way way that he or she takes great pains to gather all the facts about a particular issue before drawing conclusions or rendering some opinion. How many times has a cell group or your fellowship in the church or your fellowship at home been disrupted or even destroyed by people jumping to conclusions about a person or about an issue before gathering all the facts? Have you not read the proverb that says that everyone seems right when they tell their side of the story until you hear the other side of the story? You know, as a pastor, people come to me and they tell their story, and I'm I'm just I'm I'm a sucker for a good story. I listen. I say, "Oh man, oh man, oh," and I take that story to heart. But I've learned I take it to heart. But you know what? I don't want to say anything until I hear the other side of the story, and then you talk to the wife. Or the husband. Oh my goodness. Oh no. Oh, and her story is just as good. <laughs> the problem is, there's three sides to every story: his side, her side, and the truth. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> then you sometimes need the, Solomon of wisdom, the, the wisdom of Solomon to solve the problem. Isn't it amazing how both parties operate in earthly, sensual, and devilish wisdom? They defend themselves. They go into denial. They lie. They cheat. They steal until you rout it out. And then finally, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then healing comes why don't you just fess up, confess it, get it in the open. That which is in the light, the darkness cannot hold. I watched a lack of gentleness towards people, a lack of wisdom. The result is usually people getting angry and bitter. Sometimes it's, you're angry, you're bitter before you have all the facts. How many of you have ever taken on a third party insult? You heard something about somebody. Yeah, I know everybody in that church is exactly that way. Yeah, yeah I know. Wait a minute, have you heard all sides of the story? Have you gathered the facts? Are you just running with an offense? Tap your neighbor, say, you know, I don't know how good you're doing, but I'm not doing so good on this point. (laughs) You see, instead of patiently waiting for all the pertinent information, waiting for everything to be gathered and analyzed, there's a tendency in people to jump to conclusions. Some people like it that way because that means that they can get their opinion heard. Just listen to what I have to say. And they try to shut everybody else's opinion down, everybody else's idea down. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 18. The mind of the prudent, another word for for wisdom, acquires knowledge. And the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and a shame to him. How many of you have ever been guilty of that? Answering before you heard. Raise your hand. Everybody, raise your hand. <laughs> We've all been guilty. You're answering. How many of you have ever heard the words going out of your mouth saying, "This is not right." Oh, I, I'm. Oh, am I going to suffer for that? <laughs> you're answering even before you. You know you shouldn't be saying anything, but you're saying it anyway. You don't even know the other side of the story, but. How many of you have ever snared yourself that way? Yeah, see, the wisdom of this earth will get you in trouble, man. It's earthly, sensual, and devilish. But the wisdom from above is gentle. Number four, it's reasonable. It's reasonable. That's the fourth one, reasonable. Now, here's what James has in mind when he's talking about the word reasonable. It means that it's a person who is approachable and a person who is teachable, approachable and teachable. A a person that has wisdom from above doesn't have to win every argument. I tell people, I'm not dogmatic, I'm just right. (laughs) See, some preachers, they have to be right all the time. You know, one of my favorite answers to people when they ask me hard questions is, that's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know the answer. But you're the pastor. Yes, I'm the pastor. But you know what? I'm not going to just sit here and suck something out of the air. I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. Is that okay that your pastor doesn't know everything? And I'm not a prophet, so... Prophets can know everything, but us poor pastors, we, we still have to study. We still have to read the Bible. We still have to grow with the rest of the sheep and the rest of the flock. You know, we're, we're still learning. I'm still, I'm still following and I'm trying to apprehend that which I was apprehended for. I haven't arrived yet. I am not the man of God. I am just a man of God. See, the person whose wisdom shows in their reasonableness means that getting to the truth is more important than getting the last word. Now, I've seen this in two ways Uh, when it comes to spiritual discussions that I've had with people. I've had, I've met people that have held a particular point of view most of their life. And then somehow they discover through either teaching or through their own discovery, through study of the scriptures, that their point of view is not consistent or is inconsistent with God's point of view. I love these people because they wisely defer to the word of God. And they let go of their misconceptions. They let go of their deceptions. But on the other hand, I've had many opportunities to deal with people that cling to their feelings and their opinions, regardless of what the Bible says. Their reaction seems to suggest that they will fear the loss of something or the loss of some kind of independence if they submit to the teaching of the Bible, and it's not their own. See, true wisdom reasonably submits itself, reasonably allows godly teaching to supplant strong opinion. Proverbs says it this way in 12, Proverbs 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs 9, verses 8 and 9 says, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he'll love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he'll be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he'll increase in his learning. The Bible says this, if you rebuke a mocker, you get yourself a blot. You know what that means? How many of you have ever rebuked someone with truth? You said, you know, I, I'm just, as a pastor, I do this often. Hey, you know, I don't see the way you're going as maybe the best way. I, I, but when you rebuke a mocker that way, when you encourage, and you do it with gentleness, guess what they do? I'm quitting the church. That pastor over there, he's meddling in my business. You get, your, you get blotted. So sometimes when you meet a mocker, you just don't say anything to them. You just leave them in their foolishness. The Bible says, answer a fool according to his foolishness. Oh yes, you're so smart, you're so wise. God bless you, my brother. Yes, yes, my brother. I'll do your funeral soon, amen. God bless you, amen. How are we doing? That's four out of seven. How, How many have all four attributes of heavenly wisdom operating in their lives. Praise God, put your other hand down too, brother. That's, that's, that's not true. <laughs> See, we, we want this wisdom from above. We have to practice this. You have to exercise this. You have to be conscious of it. The fifth attribute is it's full of mercy. This wisdom from above is full of mercy and full of compassion. The Greek definition of this word mercy is kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted joined with a desire to relieve them. A desire to relieve people of their misery, their affliction. Jesus showed mercy. He showed compassion. And he demonstrated this virtue in so many ways. First of all, towards sinners, Jesus had a mercy towards sinners. Do you remember the story when Jesus was walking along the way and he went to the tax collector's booth and he said to a man named Matthew, Levi, he said, follow me. The Bible says that he got up and followed him and it happened that Jesus went to his house and they were reclining at a table and there were many tax collectors and there were many sinners that were there. They were dining with Jesus and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were there and they said, Why is it that your teacher is eating with tax collectors and sinners? And listen to what Jesus said. When he heard it, he said, It is not those who are healthy that need a physician, but those who are sick. But go learn what this means I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners." Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves sinners today. That's why I worry about Christians that don't have any friends of sinners. You don't make friends with sinners. If all you have as Christians is friends, I'm nervous. I'm nervous because I think you don't live in a real world you know, I go to the gym and I meet all the sinners in the gym. <laughs> They're not all sinners, but a lot of them are. And I just befriend them. This week, I'm starting a Bible study with 10 sinners. Well, I think two or three of them might be kind of Christians. But they know that I'm the pastor. And I preach at them. I talk to them. I, I call them up on stuff. And they want. I said, how about if you'd like to do, so I'm doing a salt and light program with them? Why? Because, hey, Jesus hung out with sinners. I'm supposed to. But I'm supposed to be salt and light to sinners. So are you. Amen? So if you're full of wisdom from above, you're full of mercy. The wisdom from above has mercy. You don't judge sinners. How many of you have ever judged a sinner? You look at somebody, look at that sinner. Well, hey, a sinner is only doing what they do. Sinners sin. Why get mad at them? That's what sinners do. Amen? Jesus had mercy toward the hungry. Remember when Jesus went along the Sea of Galilee and he went up onto a little hill? If you come with us to Israel, we go right to this very place. And he sits there and it says, large crowds came to him and they brought with them those who were lame and crippled and blind and mute and many others. And and they laid him down at his feet and he healed them. So the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking and the crippled restored and the lame walking and the blind seeing and they glorified the God of Israel and Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now for three days and they have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry that they faint along the way. Feed them. Boy, let me tell you something. I don't know how... You and I can drive down the streets in our heated combi. That may only be heated by all the bodies in there, but it's heated. (laughs) Or in our automobile, going to our warm house, and then you see the people sleeping on the streets without any food without a blanket in this cold weather. Some of you couldn't even get to church on time because you were so cold. 15 more minutes under the blanket, that's all I need. Just 15 more minutes. Tap your neighbor and say, I know who he's talking about. (laughs) See, the wisdom from above thinks about the poor, thinks about the broken, thinks about those that are freezing, thinks about those that are hungry. And does something about it. Jesus had mercy and compassion towards the lonely and the vulnerable. Remember, when he went to the city of Nain, and he's, as he's going there, there's a huge crowd accompanying him, and he comes up against another crowd. There's an impasse. I see it at the gateway of the city. Who's going to go through first? Jesus steps back, he sees this widow of Nain and there's a funeral bier and he says, oh my goodness. And he feels compassion, the Bible says, he felt compassion for this widow. And he came up and he touched the coffin and the bears came to a halt and the young man, he spoke to the young man and said, arise, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Now we had chaos in the city. And the Bible says Jesus gave him back to his mother. You know, James says true religion is this, that you take care of the widows and the orphans. Mm. Jesus had mercy and compassion towards the people that were ignored, and that were forsaken. I don't know if you remember when Jesus... He was leaving Jericho, and there was a large crowd that was following him. And as he's going up to Jerusalem, two blind men were on the side of the road. And they heard that Jesus was crying out, crying, was, was coming by, and they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd said, Shut up! That's sometimes what the crowd does. Don't embarrass us. Don't you know? Just be quiet. Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and he said, why are you crying out? He says, what do you want? They said, oh, we want our eyes to be open. And the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with mercy and he touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and they followed him. But let me tell you something. God wants us to care for those that are ignored, care for those that are on the margins, the marginalized. Think about how is Jairus Jury doing these days? Where are the homes for the battered women that need to be built? Where are the homes for the mentally retarded, mentally challenged? Where are the homes for those that are suffering with Schizophrenia or mental disorder where they could be loved and cared for. Who's going to build those homes? Who's going to take care of them? Somebody with wisdom from above. Proverbs 29 says, The righteous is concerned for the rights of the poor. I love that word poor, it's the dangling and the needy. The wicked does not understand such concerns. Proverbs eleven seventeen: the merciful man does himself good, but the cruel man does himself harm. See, if you're merciful, God says, I see that mercy, and you're doing yourself good. But if you forget to be merciful, you do yourself harm. Jesus said it this way, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. They'll receive mercy. You know, for me, I, I just try to be merciful as much as I can because I need a lot of mercy. I have a need of mercy. Finally, this wisdom from above is unwavering. It's impartial. The Greek word here is adiacritos, and it carries the two meanings I just mentioned unwavering or impartial. Unwavering is the root that that speaks of one who is tossed to and fro in the sea. A one who wavers is like a boat that is just adrift in the ocean and being tossed by the sea. The wise do not waver. They do not roll about in their judgments. They're steady. They don't think one thing one moment and think something differently a few minutes later. They're not easily moved from their str- strong understanding. Once they have a viewpoint, once it's seated in the Word of God, their course or their conduct is sound and they stick to it. They don't vacillate. They're not partial, they're impartial. The evil of partiality, James deals with it. He says, Don't have a rich man come and sit in the front row, treat all men equally. Those with godly wisdom treat all people the same with, with love and with dignity regardless of their economic status, regardless of their social standing, regardless of how many friends they have on Facebook, regardless of their occupation, regardless of their education, regardless of their intelligence, their appearance, their color, their, their language, their tribe. You see, We can't allow these things to influence our treatment of people. We see everyone as a person created in the image of God and of infinite worth. That's the wisdom from above. James says this, James 2, 8 and 9. If you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture... You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. And let me close with this last thing. The seventh point is that this wisdom from above is without hypocrisy. The last of the seven characters James lists is living without hypocrisy. You see, a person who lives with wisdom from above is sincere in all things. I've said this before, but I think it's worth repeating. Sometimes the greatest enemy of the body of Christ is the behavior and the attitudes of the members of the body of Christ. Every time an unbeliever sees a Christian claiming to believe one thing and then living the opposite, Is it any wonder why they fail to see the necessity for Jesus Christ in their lives? Why should they submit to the authority of God, of a God they cannot see and a Bible they do not understand when they can follow the example set by so many in the church today? that tell them that there is no need for a change of lifestyle. There's no need for you to change the way you live your life. You can simply play church on Sunday and live however you want to, Monday through Saturday. That, my friend, is called hypocrisy. Wisdom without hypocrisy is seen in the person who wears no masks. They are what they profess to be, or at least they are diligently striving to be what the Lord wants them to be. Now look at verse 18. We'll close with this. After he says all that, he closes out. He says, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It's amazing to me very interesting that James closes with what he started with. He returns to the theme of peace. He says, if you wanna enjoy the fruit of righteousness in your life or in the church or in society or in your business, it requires peace. I was with one of my businessmen this week and he told me, you know, he says, when I started my business, he says, it's all about making money. <laughs> he said, I'll be honest with you, it was all about making money. He says, but today I realize it's not about making money. It's about taking care of my employees. It's about making sure my customers get the best treatment. He says, that I've, he says it's about relationships. He says, As I've learned this. He says, I have more peace in my business. I'm actually making more money. And I have people that really like to do business with me. I thought, this man has become wise. This man has become wise. Righteousness only grows. Righteousness only grows in a peaceful environment. Peace is to righteousness what the sun and rain is to juicy, sweet oranges. Without sun and rain, you ain't going to have an orange. Peace will only be a reality if peace is made by you and by me. If we want to be righteous, if we want to promote righteousness we must first wisely pursue harmony and unity. We have to do all we can to smother strife contention by restraining unwise feelings and unwise unwise attitudes. We're going into an election season, folks. If ever we've needed wisdom, it's now. Spouting off slogans isn't gonna solve our problems. Earthly, sensual, devilish wisdom has ruled this nation for years. Don't vote party lines. Vote righteousness, peace, and joy. Find and go visit the people you're voting for. Check them out, get the whole story. It may not even be a major party. It may be that we elect somebody that can really represent unity and peace. But I think it's up to the church to stop just party politics and stop all this nonsense of, you know, being a part of the problem. Some of you are fanning the flames of evil. It's the wisdom that is earthly. It's becoming sensual and in some cases devilish. When I hear some of our politicians Talk about how they spend the night with witch doctors to gain power. They're gonna get elected through the witch doctor. I'm telling you, it grieves my heart. It's time for the church to stand up. Say, no, that's earthly Since We want wisdom from above. Surely, surely there's a godly MP running for office in your constituency. Surely, surely you could be a godly voice, even to an ungodly MP. Surely you can stand up and say, excuse me, our nation is a Christian nation. Why do you continue with this stuff? If we're voting for you, we want some guarantees. Surely you can have a voice. but only wise men can speak. Fools are vacillating with every wind of doctrine, every political promise. How do we do today? Out of the seven points, how many of you have all seven? I walk in godly, heavenly wisdom. Six, five, four. All right, let's not go any further. How many of you say there's room for improvement, Pastor? (laughs) Will you meditate on these things? Will you take that verse of Scripture? Will you go back over it? Will you say, God, help me be this man? Help me be this woman? Let's all stand up. Can, Can you guys sing Make Me an Instrument? Heavenly Father, I just pray now for our church. I pray for every member. Lord, this is a very important moment right now in the nation. I think it's even a more important moment right this second in the hearts of men and women. Father, our prayer today, my prayer is that we would become the instruments that wisdom can work through and that we would evidence heavenly wisdom on earth. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that Father with it, during this cycle of elections we would enforce peace. Not just toleration, but enforcing peace. Using the force of peace to quiet the rabble rouser, to quiet those that would use this to divide the nation, to quiet those that would use the election as a means to do evil behind the scenes. Father, we bind those influences. We come against those devious plots of our enemy. We declare, Lord, in the courts of heaven today, that we desire righteousness to prevail in the nation of Zimbabwe. We curse the deeds of wicked men and wickedness. We curse and we demand that the plots to throw the election, the plots to deceive would be exposed. Father, we ask that you would begin to raise up and give countenance to even unseen men, unseen women, that Father, have a heart for the nation. Father, we ask that you would let those that have a godly heart and a godly wisdom be evidenced in our land. Father, we ask for this for our families and for our businesses. Father, I ask for, for our churches that godly men would raise up inside the church and lead and bless and bring to bear sound wisdom, heavenly wisdom. Father, We seek wisdom. We ask for it today. And with it we ask for peace. Let us be the instruments of your peace on earth. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.